Urban Yogi. Episode 11. Featuring Oksanu Sheva. I'm Will Blunderfield. I'm a psychology major, kundalini yoga teacher, spin instructor, recording artist, and mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher in training. Join me in this free-flowing conversation with mentors and experts on such diverse topics as queer theory, holistic well-being, and music. Oksana Gaidesheva is Belarusian-born, living in Vancouver. She has studied new medicine under Dr. Carolyn Markelin since 2010. Oksana also has attended multiple international seminars with Carolyn and new medicine practitioners from around the world to further her fascination and understanding of the topic. She currently works as a painter and one day hopes to be working with new medicine professionally. I hope you enjoy my forest interview with Oksana. There's an explicit on every episode of this, so you're allowed to say pretty much whatever you want. Google. You can talk about Google. Google's. Where'd yeah. you get the smala? The is from my friend April Maybellia. She's the first uh, person I interviewed on my podcast. Cool. Hers is number two, though, because I put one, like an introdu- introduction yep. to my podcast when I was in Japan. There was a lady who interviewed me on, uh, on a radio station there. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, these are all local interviews and kind of just talk about life. We just uh, went for a nice nature walk up in the North Shore Mountains here, and we've perched ourselves on the side of a cliff, and uh, it's kind of nice. It's nice up here. We've eaten a shitload of berries. Tons shitload. of Shitload. Ber- we've eaten a shitload of berries. What did we have? What were those good ones I loved? The thumbleberries. Thun- thumbleberries, kind of like raspberries, but more delicious and kind of sweeter and more tart at the same time. Just more wild. Yeah, and you had huckleberries. Huckleberries were good. Salmon berries. You had wild blackberries. Wild blackberries. Those were delicious. You said they were tropical. Yeah, they were very tropical tasting. I'm glad you're here with me because I would have had no idea which ones were poisonous and which ones were edible. So, thank you. <laughs> Anytime. So tell me about German New Medicine. When did you first discover it? I first discovered German New Medicine when I was 21 years old. And I am 29. You're only 29? I'm turning 30 in August. Oh my god. I just look old. No, you look good. I just was like surprised. You're very mature. Oh yeah. You're very tall and mature, so I thought maybe you're a bit older. But but, uh, so where did, who was first teaching German New Medicine to you? On Commercial Drive. Carolina was the teacher, but the person that I got to know GNM from first, who led me to Carolina, was Little Wu. Little Wu? Little Wu is a, uh, she's a spiritual leader. Nice. In the East Van scene. Cool. And she found out about Carolina through her own medical research. And then I studied with Carolina, Carolina Markelin, since I was 21 until now. Nice. I'm just adjusting your microphone. I think we might have to put it on this side. I think it'll be fine. I think you had an earpiece and you could hear how the sounds would be. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Here, I'll just kind of angle it like that. That should be fine. Because they pick it, they, they're quite good. They're quite good. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There. There. Perfect. Um, okay, so what's the premise of, just so the listeners know, what's the premise of German New Medicine? The premise of German New Medicine is that all symptoms, 
pretty much all symptoms and diseases that cannot be identified due to blunt force trauma or literally toxicity overload are originating from uh, DHS, which is an unexpected shock to the system. Mm. So when the, your biological system um, is faced with an unexpected conflict that is too much for your system to handle, then the tissues in your body, along with the brain and the psyche, go into like a pre-programmed mode where they will construct new tissue or take away some tissue to help you through this crisis physically and also mentally. And when you're no longer faced with that situation, the tissue is, um, in most cases, uh, fixed back into its natural state. And that's when you get most of the symptoms is in the healing phase when most of the tissue is being restored back to its natural state. So that's when you get like pussing, oozing, pain, swellings. Um, and in Germany medicine, the doctor who put it together first, he was a oncologist and a surgeon. And he was very um, literate in classical medicine. So he saw this from a classical medicine point of view. He still mm. talks a lot in the classical medicine speech, addressing the symptoms and the chemical imbalances and all of the things that doctors are concerned with, but he mm -hmm. just re-systematized the way that you look at the symptoms in the body to see how the body is um, doing all of this, but to support the organism through stress instead of just breaking down uh, unexpectedly all, all by itself. Right. So would you basically say that German New Medicine posits that no illness can happen in the body without the involvement of the brain and the psyche? For sure, without the involvement of the psyche. I mean, some, disease, some diseases... Um, I just think some listeners might be thinking, what about when you get hit by a piano and then you die of a hemorrhage? That's not a disease um, that is possible. But yes, without the involvement of the psyche, um, there, there is no unexpected activity in the body, I would say. Um, I think it is the psyche's... It's the psyche trying to protect or support the body in a time of crisis, right. which you can't see on the brain. So I think in GNM, the psyche, the brain, and the organ are like the three different, um, almost like fields. The brain physically is the organ that controls the other organs in the body. There's a relay station in the brain for the other organs in the body. And if you CT the brain, when there are symptoms happening in you, you can tell exactly which organ is affected and what stage of healing they're in. So when an unexpected crisis strikes you, be it like huge or small, first your psyche picks up on what needs to happen in the body to help you through that crisis. And then in the brain, the relay station goes off and then your respective organ goes to task on that. What's your definition of the psyche? Bohemian? poking me in the chest. Oh. oh, it's so good. It's poking me so good. <laughs> um, She's talking about her mic. My mic. Okay. <laughs> my definition, I don't have a very philosophical or like quantum physics definition of the psyche um, that I could give the listeners. I think it's one of the best descriptions that I've heard was from Charlie Morley, who's a lucid dreamer, a lucid dreaming yoga teacher. And he mm. quotes um, Jung when he says that the old models of the psyche, like it's the tip of the iceberg, 
is the conscious brain and the bottom of the iceberg is the subconscious brain, the psyche, he's like, that's incorrect, that's not drastic enough. Realistically, your conscious brain is the cork on the bottle that's thrown into the ocean and the ocean is the psyche. It's the subconscious awareness level that's aware of, like potentially connected to all of the systems in the world, but also like running your body on a on a subconscious level. And I don't really have a proper definition for it, except that I like that visual, that it's just a really vast, yet it can be a very personal field of experience. Mm-hmm. Almost like your soul? Yeah. Well, I don't know if the soul... The psuche, actually, yeah, in the German translation, Dr. Hammer called the psyche the soul. Hmm. But he was also a theologist, so he had a better grasp on that. Right. But in the books, the titles are... Um, he replaces the word psyche with soul. And everybody has a different definition for that anyways. Mm-hmm. What's your intuition? What drew you most to German New Medicine? The very clear... Um, the way that Carolina taught, I found very appealing because she was very clear and very no bullshit. But also the way that she spoke was very um, visceral to me. Like I was doing yoga at the time. Mm. And I still am, but... I remember after doing her classes, I would do a yoga class and I would be more in my body. And like, I would have, I sat for eight hours a day in the class and I would go to yoga and I would be more flexible. Like I wouldn't be stiff. I would just, I think in the, in the class, because it's addressing so many physical concepts that are actually true mm-hmm. to my body that it's almost like a Vipassana meditation when you're sweeping your whole system Mm. with like a, like, a body a sharp, scan? like a body scan like with a sharp laser like focus I think that because of what Carolina is teaching was so bang on like I was scanning my body because she's addressing all of these organs and body tissues and I was scanning them with such precision mm-hmm. just like osmotically that in yoga my um, verification I was I felt more open and I felt more grounded so that's what made me continue like initially what got mm. me in was just the curiosity like I was just investigating different modalities at the time to help myself through a hard time and this one I stuck with it because of the um, the physical ramification like the positive consequences that I was experiencing do you think a lot of people who first hear about German New Medicine are kind of aversive to it is because maybe at least partly politics aside you know not everybody in our society is so connected to their bodies and to what's going on inside their bodies and um, sometimes it's just easier to just get a pill, you know, and be told what to do by somebody in a white lab coat than it is to be like, oh, like, this is something that's going on in your organ and, you know, you do have more control over what's going on in your body than you thought. Like, maybe it's just like we're experiencing this paradigm shift from being kind of disconnected from our bodies as a culture to being more connected and maybe as we become more connected, more people will be open to these more different holistic views of, of the body and medicine. I don't know. I can't really say how many more people now are more connected to their bodies than the past? I'm like just getting connected to my body in like (laughs) the last few years. How disconnected or how connected people are. I think it's, I think why more people aren't attracted to um, GNM as I got attracted to it is that to actually understand, it's such a, it's such a drastic paradigm shift of whatever you grew up with that to really sit down and put in the hours and hours of study to actually understand the veracity and the beauty and the accurateness of this work you have to put in a lot of time and you have to be dialed in and I think a lot of mm. people have their own that is a fucking deer on the rocks oh my god is, is it that a deer or is it a bird 
Is it a deer? Do you see it moving? What is it? Oh my god, it's a huge heron. It's a huge heron on the rocks. Wow. That's gorgeous. For us, traditional medicine now is to be taking this, these pills. Like, that isn't traditional medicine, if you look at right. the books, you know? And then, like, yeah, you, Daniel Vitalis says alternative, alternative. Al like, allopathic medicine should really be alternative because yep. it's alternate to what traditional or native uh, medicine is like in terms of, you know, the holistic body view of the psyche-brain-body connection. Um, you know, I'm thinking, like, how do... So you have a new paradigm, you want to spread it, you want to share the information. What's a good way to introduce it to people who are super enmeshed in the allopathic view? Or do we, like, how do you go about spreading something like German New Medicine in a way that's effective and not, you know, missionary or preachy? Like, how is that, how, how do you do that? Well, that's a very good question, Will. I've thought about this for a long time. Um, mm. I think in this... Realistically, the change needs to happen not like on the ground level, like missionaries going door to door. Missionaries. <laughs> but the change has to come on the medical level. Like doctors need to understand this and put this into practice. Um, mm -hmm. Nor should it crumble because so many good things come out of the medical system now. Like the, the there emergency are medical care emergency medical care, surgical care, like all of the CTs, all of the amazing work that people do with like reconstruction, CAT scans, CTs. CTs, like MRIs, like there are amazing things. Like people, a lot more people would be in, would be more dead and more messed up if it wasn't for that care. However, mm -hmm. I think the change should come from the medical system down. And I have met so many doctors that work in the different medical fields that understand German medicine. And they definitely think that this should be the foundation on which they work. Mm. Um, so the two fields are not divorced. This came out of a medical doctor's perspective. Like, if this was the basis that the medical system functioned on, the medical students learned this field, they could just practice in a more, like, in a more wiser, compassionate, and effective method. And the mm. people on the ground level, like, it's great if they know why they get their coughs and aches and stuff. But realistically, for GNM to like take over the world that should be taught in, in medical schools and that change has to come from however those curriculum changes get written. Mm. So what are some interesting um, GNM stories you have like from your life or stories you've heard from friends about how this has helped them, you know, recognize a certain symptom and move through it? Um, I have a lot of cool stories actually. I don't know if they'll make sense to people that don't know What's the, like one that's like relatively simple or understandable for the layman? I want to tell Carolina a story with eczema because oh, yeah. it's the one that she tells. Cool, yeah, sure. In her classes, so Carolina, um, Oksana's teacher and, and my teacher as well. Our gym teacher, Carolina, she tells a story mm -hmm. of her eczematic fingers that she got. Eczema on the fingers. So it was eczema between the fingers, and she got. Um, uh, she got it when she was a little girl. She was like five or six. And she had it until she was maybe like in her 30s or 40s. And that's when she first learned, learned Germany medicine and she met Dr. Hammer. And she um, understood that, that her initial unexpected shock and her stress was being removed from her grandparents' farm where she lived the first five years of her life and suddenly taken back by her mom to live in the city with her. Mm. And in GNM, the skin that... Um, gets the eczema is the epidermal skin layer like it's the, the very outer top skin. layer the very top layer and it's responsible for like sensory like sensing uh 
sensation, like sensing when your people are around, like when you're getting touch. When your or tribe your, is around you. Yeah, like you're, when your tribe is around you, when you're in your pack. And, and the conflict associated with the epidural layer of skin is fear of separation, having separated or wanting to separate. Exactly. So Carolina, when she was a little girl, she would sleep in the same bed as her two grandparents in between her grandma and her grandpa, and she would hold on to their bedclothes with her fingers, like she would interweave the cloth of, her, of their um, nightgowns through her fingers. And um, I guess that's where she felt most comfort and most respite, as like when, before, before she'd fall asleep, she felt this like tremendous comfort with her grandparents. And when she was removed from them in the city, like that's the one um, symptom that really came through for her is she got eczema between the fingers. And her mom started taking her to all of these dermatologists who um, said maybe it's, it's dietological, like she's eating carrots or she's eating eggs, and those are the things that are causing these allergies. It was perceived as an allergy, so she spent all of her life uh, thinking that it was like different vegetables that were bad for her. And by the time that she was 40, she would have to prepare salads wearing latex gloves because she couldn't handle a cucumber wow. with her bare hands. And then she learned GNM. And she was like, oh my God, no, this was exactly the reason why. Like I was removed from my grandparents and that was the point of contact that I split from and missed from the most was between my fingers and that's where it started. Hmm. And then it spread because I tracked on all of these other foods on top of it. I've got to put an end to this now. But it was like a 30 plus years entrenched long fear of vegetables at this point. So she had to go to the market and like one by one, pick a fruit or vegetable and then talk to it with her solid knowledge of why her epidermis is doing this with the firm knowledge of GNM. She was like, look, vegetable. Um, you're no longer a threat to me. Like, my grandparents are no longer that much of an issue to me. I'm an adult now. And So the vegetables were like a track? The vegetables were track. a track that the skin was reminding her these might be dangerous. Um, hmm. And then she cleared her eczema there. I think there's other healing modalities that could, like, maybe circumvent that, like, without having to pinpoint exactly who you lost or separated from, just kind of if your psyche relaxes about the skin because the initial yeah. conflict no longer is an issue and you're just kind of tracking all of these potential things to be dangerous, your skin might be ulcerating more. I think that's where different modalities yeah. do step in and could be a helpful where if you just relax about the skin looking a certain way or reacting to certain things, I think there's other ways to do it. But that was Carolina's story as she went down to the root of being split from her grandparents. That reminds me of um, when I had athlete's foot few years ago I was um, I always was liking to go into the steam room after I work uh, at the gym and usually the steam room floor is super clean and like it smells like eucalyptus it's beautiful but one day I went in and it was super dirty covered in it was just like oh this is gross something there was everything yeah it was just gross there was like a lot of people in there and it was just really dirty and I just remember thinking oh this is so gross and then, you know, no symptoms, no athlete's foot or anything. But a week later, I went back in, and it was super clean again. And mm. I was like, oh, it's so nice. And then the next day, I broke out an athlete's foot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in GNM, in, in new medicine, the idea is that usually symptoms appear during the healing phase. So the shock for me was going, oh, my God, this place is so dirty. And then that would be a tissue buildup, right, over mm-hmm. the week. Yeah. And then when I come back a week later and it's super clean, that would be me going into the healing phase. Yep. And so I get this break. Is it a breakdown of tissue for athlete's yep. foot? Which is the, the symptoms of athlete's foot. But it was interesting. Normally I would go, you know, to the, when I used to get it when I lifeguarded, 
I would go spend 40, 50 bucks on, you know, Tinactin cream at the pharmacy. Right. But I thought, oh, I'm going to try this new medicine thing and just sort of, okay, talk to my psyche. It's okay. I'm in healing. This is great. You know, my body's breaking down the excess tissue. The idea, I think, with the skin conflict is that my body registered that as a threat. The dirtiness is a threat. So it started to build up extra tissue. Yep. And then when it realized safety, it was able to just break that tissue down in the form of athlete's foot. Yeah, exactly. And the skin that you're talking about on the that reacted with tissue buildup is the corium skin, which corium is the skin. one layer underneath the epidermis. And the purpose of that tissue isn't separation per se, but it's like the thicker layer of oh, tissue. Oh, right, the deeper layer. Yeah, that's so responsible. So feeling soiled conflict. Feeling soiled, feeling attacked. like And its biological response is like when there's like either blunt force, like trauma coming at you or like, mm -hmm. or in form of words, metaphorically, or like a like an insult or like a slap to the face or um, like, yeah, like or feeling some, gross. Something out. feeling physically dirty. Physically dirty, like, mm. it, like attacked or soiled. And then the thing that it does is it builds up tissue to prevent mm. you from that uh, right. thing. And then when that no longer is an issue, the skin breaks down with the help of bacteria. So that's why right. their smell is because the bacterial decomposition it's of those extra cells down. is smelly. Well, nevertheless, um, you know, two days later, it was completely gone, and I was so happy. Nice. Yeah, I was like, yay, saved $50. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. And, and I like that new medicine doesn't say, oh, never use medicine. It's just yes. like, know what's going on, have an idea of what's going on in your body so you can use medicine more wisely. Use it wisely, because there's, yeah, I've seen my friends have gotten, like, uh, lymph, like, swellings because of, a similar like feeling soiled or like not feeling good enough not feeling so but it's not feeling good enough in the area and the pain was severe because there was bacterial action so they would take antibiotics and that would that would relieve the pain right. but they were taking it that like less than the activity of microbes less than the activity of microbes but also they were aware that the lymph node is acting up because of i didn't feel good enough there and now i do so the lymph is compensating and now it's healing right. and um the the, sh the panic wasn't there and like the over medication wasn't there and they were just using the medicine as a, a tool. like as a, as a tool but they knew on their psyche level the the healing was finalized and they just needed the additional support of the mm. medicine to get them through it that's good what would german new medicine say about healing so so you go to say somebody comes to you they're experiencing some sort of symptoms like what does german is it just a psyche talk thing or are there other like you as a German new medicine practitioner, and I even hesitate to say German new medicine because I feel like listeners are going to Google it and see the first thing, which is Wikipedia article sort of bashing. Learninggnm.com. Yeah, so to go to check out learninggnm.com. And then there might even be, I'm thinking um, there's a documentary on YouTube. It's, it's in German, but you can have it with uh, English subtitles. Did you guys ever translate that? We are working on it. It's just taking so long. But um, you can still read it in, in, in the English subtitles. And I really thought that was a great resource. Yep, it is. Because I find um, the learninggnm.com, it's great. But for somebody who's completely new, it could be overwhelming. Yep. Um, but what would they type in on YouTube to find that? It's uh, the five biological laws. Five natürliche, biologische, yeah. naturgesize. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, we'll put it in the show notes. But uh, I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. How about yeah, that? Look That'll up Alvin great. de Leon. Oh, yeah, Alvin de Leon, Dr. Alvin. Dr. Alvin de Leon. D-E, uh, Alvin, D-E, and then space L-E-O-N. He's, he's a great German new medicine practitioner. Put that in the I think is, if you put, Alvin says it best, I think. He's like, when you first hear about GNM, you hear about, you know, the politics and how Dr. Hammer is anti-Semitic and all this stuff that we have no idea. Dr. Hammer's not alive. I just like to focus on the science of it, um, you know, 
I'm not anti-Semitic. I don't want to believe he was, but I, regardless, I just want to focus on the science. Mm -hmm. And so Alvin says it's kind of like a rose bush with all the thorns. GNM is yep. like the rose, and you have to be willing to look past the thorns to, to the heart of it. Yeah, exactly. And I think like any any issue big enough, anybody, any human you know has some political garbage behind them. Like nothing is exempt from horrible political garbage behind it. But I also mm -hmm. think that the science and the beauty of the work is um, like stands out like a rose by itself that should be um, cultivated. But yeah, Carlina's website, learninggdm.com and Alvin's website, and they have videos on YouTube. Those nice. are great resources. And nice. I'm also, I'm not a practitioner necessarily, although I would like to be. And as per your question of what a practitioner, a GNM practitioner would do, is it just psyche talk? Or is it a physical application? I th from what I've seen, um, the practitioners that I've seen, everybody has their own shingle, like their own modality. Some people are uh, herbal collecting people who dispense herbs for symptoms. Some are hypnotherapists, some are EFT practitioners, but they all function, the ones that I've met, um, with the basis of German medicine. So once they understand what's happening at the psyche and organ level, they relay that to the person first. And if the, usually, if the person understands what's happening, if their symptoms are like not mechanically damaging to their body enough that they can just heal by themselves, and if the psyche is relieved and they're no longer in panic about the state of their health, symptoms go away by themselves without any kind of mechanical intervention mm -hmm. just fine mm -hmm. you know um dr alvin for example um he's a chiropractor so he would also do a chiropractic treatment which he says like yeah mechanically it might relieve some pain having a loving caring person touch you mm -hmm. in a therapeutic way also is great for the psyche is great to make you feel supported so right. that might be um helping uh, alleviating your symptoms like just to feel like somebody's by your side who understands what's happening but he also will tell the patients who are open to it the germany medicine perspective and that like even if he's doing a skype consultation without him touching a person will be effective to remove like their twitches or their joint pain or like muscle spasms or indigestion without him doing any kind of chiropractic intervention um so yeah just talk therapy like i've seen hypnotherapists do work if it's a deeper conflict that the, that the psyche has um, hidden because it's too traumatic for the person to remember or if it's impossible to resolve just like through speech like if the anger is too deep or it's you were too young I've seen hypnotherapists do amazing work where they can ask the psyche um, cool. what happened and then I guess to your own discretion if you want to resolve it or not like apply it there I also think if the symptoms are mechanically uh, more drastic, like it's an internal organ swelling or whatnot, then appropriate medical application of like anti-inflammatories or in some cases surgical inflammation or herbal applications, you know, those surgical are very common. Surgical intervention, those mm. can be very commonplace if you know what you're doing and if the person isn't panicked and their conflict has been resolved. Right. Those so are all have their place. I was going to ask you, what, so like, I know Carolina or, or our other teacher, Annalie, was saying conflict shocks are kind of inevitable. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I personally believe if you make yourself robust and if you are taking good care of yourself mm -hmm. and having good nutrition, you know, maybe you can't prevent shocks, conflicts from happening in your life, but maybe you can withstand them better? You can withstand the symptoms better, for sure. Like, imagine you're... Well, I, I do think if you're a fit, robust person and you have a good beat on your life, your shocks aren't going to, like, catch you so far on the wrong foot. It's going to spiral you into a complete stress case. 
Right. Like if you all your shits together and you're competent, you would like something happening would be like, oh, well, that kind of sucks, you know, like versus oh, my life is at stake now. Right. And I'm going to die. Like if your stuff's together and you're healthy, uh, the things aren't going to seem as drastic. So your symptoms are going to be less. You're going to get a stink conflict. You're going to get like a stuffy nose instead of a right. back osteolysis. Mm. Um, but if you do get like a dealt a completely horrible blow, like a, you, like you, you're healthy and you get dealt a blow, and then your tissue has to go through that active and healing phase and tissue um, operation. If your organism is healthy, it is going to be easier for you to get through um, discomforts in your body, and your tissue is going to be in a position to you know um, heal quicker. Just if you have more vitality, for sure. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. What do you do to stay robust and in balance? I climb boulders. I climb wet, mossy boulders in the <laughs> North Shore Creek. Awesome. I do... I do yoga. I swim in cold water. Nice. I practice the Wim Hof Method. Love Wim Hof Method. How about we do the Wim Hof Method right now for listeners? So that's where you take basically 30 to 40 breaths. And you focus more on the inhale or the exhale? You focus more on the inhale, you take a full deep breath in, and then you exhale. Before you have completed your exhale, you take another long deep breath in, and you exhale before you've completed the exhale, you take another So, so it's deep focusing more on the inhales. So you're saturating your Just for the oxygen. audience, uh, Oksana has actually trained with Wim Hof, the Iceman himself. She, where did you fly to to train with him? Denmark? Mm -hmm. Poland, oh my god. Yeah, so, I mean, almost all my friends, especially all the guys in the men's group, just love Wim Hof, so it's cool that you've actually studied with him. Okay, so so once you've taken the 30 to 40 deep breaths, you hold the breath out for as long as you can? You can hold it in or out. Okay, in or out. And then you take a deep breath and hold it for like 15 seconds. Then and hold it for, you can hold it for up to two minutes. Oh, sweet. Oh my god, we're going to get hot today. Okay, let's do it. Audience, do it with us. So this is to prepare this. Basically, this is to get the system uh, in a state of releasing DMT and releasing good-feeling hormones so that you can go into cold water more easily. I think so. I think it also makes your system more alkaline. Cool. Which, which must be good. Yeah, that's what the Kundalini Yogis say with the breath of fire, which is oh, yeah. a similar thing that it detoxifies the blood. Right. Definitely makes you feel good. Okay, let's try it. So we're going to do 30 to 40 deep breaths and then hold out.
Oksana is still holding her breath out. It's probably been about 40 seconds, maybe longer. I feel everything's brighter. I feel more in my body, tingling. Feeling the root chakra, second chakra. I feel calmer. Less thought. More third dimension, more in the body awareness. Feels good. I just feel high. You feel high? <laughs> Did you just stop? You just took a breath now, little girl. So you didn't take a big inhale. You just held it out and then you just, I guess it was different. There's different ways. He's like, hold it on inhale, hold it on exhale. Slightly different version. The way that he would go into the woods and just do this for like years. So I don't think, yeah. he, I think Specific. he kind of did every kind of possible way to do it. Breath, so. Cool. Yeah, I'm really interested in, oh, little mosquito. Really interested in um, breathing techniques that help people get high naturally. I used to have issues. I've said this on almost every episode. Issues with cocaine, um, but you know I think it's important to talk about because you know it's it's a huge issue in Vancouver with the fentanyl poisoning, and so just finding different technologies of yoga and breathing techniques and just ways of being that help you feel kind of high all the time. I think is something worth sharing. Go into ice water, do this breathing, you'll feel high as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for, for the interview. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm too high. You're too high, we're too high now. <laughs> <laughs> Namaste. Thanks for having me here, Will. My pleasure. On this log. Thank you for talking. Satnam. Thanks for having me on this vlog. My pleasure. Anytime. <laughs>
the buyer Benyogi. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you so much, guys, for your reviews on iTunes, for listening, for supporting, and have a beautiful day.